0: And we welcome you to the Thursday Morning Show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. I'm very excited to be able to uh, welcome back into our studios, first of all, uh, Deborah Carp, who has been with us before. She is the Community and Business Engagement Director at the University of Wisconsin-Parkside. And she joins us on a very regular basis to talk about a special event in which she has a very direct hand Namely, the Nonprofit Leadership Conference, which uh, now happens at Parkside uh, every other year. And uh, the next leadership conference is coming up next Wednesday, November 17th, from 8 until 4 in the Student Center Ballroom. And this year's conference is centered on uh, the very important principle of, of EDI, of equity, diversity, and inclusion, and the importance of nonprofits particularly those that service uh, diverse communities, should themselves be diverse and inclusive in their own makeup. And uh, this is uh, an important topic which is going to be explored uh, with a number of different guest presenters, including WGTD's own Lynn Iaquinta, who is one of the presenters. And the keynote speaker for this year's conference is uh, Dr. uh, Andre Howard, who is Senior Director of Equity, Diversity, Inclusion, and Engagement Alliance for Strong Families and Communities uh, at at an agency called Social Current which assists nonprofits, uh, especially those engaged in, uh, in human service agencies. And again, he is going to be giving the keynote address, and uh, we have him via the telephone joining us for this conversation today. So Deborah Karp from the University of Wisconsin-Parkside and Dr. Andre Howard, we welcome both of you to the morning show.
1: Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you.
0: Glad you're here, uh, uh, Dr. Howard, with us, and we will uh, engage with you in just a second. I want Deborah Karp, first of all, to give us a capsule history of the uh, Nonprofit Leadership Conference. I think you've been involved in it from just about the very beginning.
1: Yeah, actually, I have. The first Nonprofit Leadership Conference was held in 2006. And um, we offered this event for about 10 years in a row every year. And about 2016, we started alternating doing it every other year. But really, its purpose is to help nonprofit leaders to, um, you know, learn about topics that are relevant uh, up, up and coming. I mean, it's, we, we touch on a variety of different subjects. Um, it is a community design conference. We engage um, all kinds of people. We have a committee of about Sixteen, seventeen people who wow. helped to uh, identify the important topics that we should be covering, and help us find speakers and um, you know panelists for our panel, and so on.
0: We'll uh, talk about some of the specific uh, facets of the conference. Uh, different things are going to be offered in just a little bit, but I want to get to Dr. Howard. But Deborah Carp, can you just say a word about uh, what prompted this invitation for you to have Dr. Andre Howard be the keynote speaker this year?
1: Well, actually, um, back in 2019, I attended um, a uh, conference in Milwaukee that was hosted by Dr. Howard's organization. And at the time, it was called uh, Alliance and uh, for Strengthening for Strong Families and Communities or something along those lines. He'll tell you more about the change. It's very recent. But uh, it was really, I, I thought, one of the best conferences I'd ever attended on the topic of equity. Um, it was really, it was quite compelling, and I saw Dr. Under, uh, Dr. Howard uh, present at that time. And so uh, we reached out to the organization and got involved with um, Katie Letterer, and she joined our conference committee. And as we started planning for this year's conference, and we actually did a survey of the community to see what kinds of topics they were looking to hear about, and uh, EDI rose right to the top. And we found that what we could do is cover all kinds of topics through an EDI lens. And really, you know, the uh, Social Current organization is a national organization, though it is based in Milwaukee. And so we have these experts in our backyard. And Dr. Howard is, presents all over the country and works with organizations across the country. And so we thought, well, he's never been down here in Kenosha to present. So we're happy to have him.
0: Very good. Uh, Dr. Howard, again, we're glad that you are joining us uh, via the telephone this morning. Uh, let's begin by hearing more about uh, the organization with which you are working, which now is known as Social Current. As Deborah Karp touched on, uh, it, once upon a time it was another organization or it's kind of an amalgamation of a couple of different organizations, and maybe that melding occurred uh, fairly recently. Uh, sort that out for us, please.
2: Uh, yeah, thank you. Again, thanks, Greg, for having uh, me this morning. Thank you, Deborah, as well, for the invitation. Um, Yeah, Social Current is uh, the result of uh, two organizations that came together uh, really to um, advocate for uh, implementing equitable solutions to some of society's toughest challenges, so formerly known as the Alliance for Strong Families and Communities and the Council on Accreditation. So we've joined our forces um, together to be much more impactful, to really think about the start of something big, Uh, as we work and engage with thousands of social sector leaders um, who are called upon to activate the power of the sector uh, to create a unified, intrepid, just, and purposeful network uh, so that everyone um, can thrive. And so I've had the pleasure of being with the um, Legacy Alliance for over 10 years uh, and really just excited about the new organization, Social Current, um, uh, Jody Uh, uh, Levinson is our CEO and president, um, from New York. Uh, we have our headquarters in DC and our operations center here in Milwaukee. And so just excited about the possibilities in terms of the new organization.
0: So when it comes to social current and assisting a given, uh, nonprofit, typically how does that happen? I mean, what is the mechanism by which you connect with various nonprofits and, and uh, human service agencies and, and give them assistance and, and guidance?
2: Yeah, we do that in, in, a, in a number of ways. Uh, we have a, our public policy office uh, in DC that focuses on a lot of different issues uh, related to child welfare and issues related to just the uh, sector uh, as a whole. Uh, we engage um, organizations in terms of wanting um, uh, various resources and knowledge around um, equity and uh, excellence and standards uh, for the nonprofit sector uh, as part of that process, Um, we think about ourselves as kind of a partner uh, in this work with uh, many um, organizations that we work with across the country. And so uh, we kind of bring together uh, some of the resources, tools, um, that nonprofits across the country um, will need in order to really execute on their mission to be much more purposeful, uh, strategic, uh, intentional as part of that process. And so, um, so together, we value the purpose, we value equity, we value action that really ultimately improves uh, individual lives across this country. And so, we kind of partner with organizations in many, many different ways as part of that process: conferences, learnings, trainings, um, as part of that whole package. And so. Uh, We do it in different ways.
0: As Deborah Karp mentioned uh, earlier, the focus of this year's Nonprofit Leadership Conference at Parkside, again coming up next Wednesday, is this concept of EDI, equity, diversity, inclusion. Uh, I think one of the interesting things about that is that those are three words that are very closely related and probably a lot of us use them almost interchangeably and probably shouldn't. That is, each of those terms represents something very specific and perhaps distinct. And in understanding each of those three terms, we're going to have a much better understanding of a lot of what we're talking about. Would you mind taking us through those three terms, equity, diversity, and inclusion, and why there are three terms and why it's important to understand each of them?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I think, again, as you point out, Rick, that they all are are purposeful and have their own intent uh, in terms of of bringing value to not only the nonprofit sector, but to, again, many communities across this country and really to to everyone um, living in this nation, right? So as you think about, uh, for example, diversity, which is really differences, you know, terms of differences, whether it's based on race, um, you know, differences in terms of Uh, being inclusive of of our LGBTQ community, persons with disability, uh, gender, uh, age. I mean, we can go on and on and on. But diversity is a very powerful quotient um, in terms of thinking about this journey uh, that we all need to be part of. And so when we think about diversity, it's the many different faces, lived experiences, um, the many different um, purposes that people come to the table and really – Uh, begin to think about as part of that process. So diversity is really the differences around the table. Uh, The inclusion piece is uh, ensuring that um, as we bring people together uh, from different backgrounds based on a host of of differences, uh, that we can also make sure they have a voice at the table, right? That their voice is heard, that their lived experience is heard as part of that process. And so how do we continue to think about being intentional around being inclusive as we invite these differences to the table and making sure we we uh, have some safe space brave space uh, for that process to take place and then of course the equity is access right making sure folks have access uh, to opportunities access to making sure that uh, whatever various systems folks are trying to um, engage in that there's access whether it's to justice or whether it's to health or whether it's education or whether it's to economics that access is there, and so that's that equity quotient um, as you think about. So, so together, um, the the equity, diversity, and inclusion pieces come together um, and really make for a very powerful uh, way to think about how we, as humanity, uh, need to advance and, and really need to co-create and and live together. Um, you know, uh, organizations who are just focused on diversity. You know, we've got different um, races races of folks or 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 different uh, differences in terms of folks at the table or within our organization is not enough. Uh, And so we have to continue to think about how we push um, to include and to ensure that inclusivity is part of that equation, as well as that there's this access piece um, that everyone has an opportunity to access through the equity lens is also part of that. So uh, that's kind of what those three pieces uh, come to understand. I do know this. I I do know this. I I do know that without uh, EDI, right, you know, organizations, communities, D-I-E, die, right? Because, Hmm. again, as we talk about the sustainability of communities, of organizations, um, this journey becomes so, so very important uh, for all of us to participate in, and that's kind of how we see the EDI um, factors.
0: Interesting. So if I understand correctly, diversity is kind of about, who is around the table and making sure that every face around that table isn't a white face or whatever. I mean, that that it is a diverse group of people, but the inclusion is to ensure that those, that diverse group of people around that table, maybe more diverse than it once was, are all included in a meaningful way in what's that, in what that organization does. And each of them is listened to. It's not just Mm -hmm. enough to be at the table. It's, important to be a significant player at the table, and that's the inclusion piece.
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And then, of course, the equity piece, which is just as important, of course, is that everyone now has access, right? That I have uh, just as as much access to opportunities um, uh, to engage as others um, without... Uh, regard to the color of my skin or my sexual orientation that I have access, I'm fairly able to to access those opportunities. Mm-hmm. So that equity quotient is just as important. So.
0: For those of you just joining us, uh, we're speaking today on the morning show with Dr. Andre Howard, who is going to be the keynote speaker for the upcoming Uh, nonprofit leadership conference at the University of Wisconsin Parkside, which will be next Wednesday, uh, November 17th. Uh, In our studios is Deborah Karp, who is Community and Business Engagement Director at Parkside. She has a key hand in the coordination uh, of of the conference each and every year, including this one, which is focused on the concept of EDI, equity, diversity, inclusion. Dr. Howard, I noticed that uh, the title of your keynote address is An Imperfect Journey, Infusing Mm -hmm. EDI into Organizational Culture, and I know that at least one other presentation at this year's conference is uh, called Steps and Missteps on the EDI Journey. Both of those titles Mm -hmm. really suggest, and probably a lot of us are well aware, that this is not always easy, and it doesn't always go well. Uh, Talk, explain to our listeners why your tit- your, the title of your talk is An Imperfect Journey and the value that you see in highlighting uh, the difficulties that can be part of this. Yeah, sure. The,
2: uh, we, we think about this journey again, and that's what we term it as, a journey, right? It, it's a process. It, it's one that takes time. Uh, it, it's one that has jagged edges. There's stop and start points along the way. Lots of congestion, lots of uncomfortability as part of the process. Um, what I do is I push against the notion of, of, for example, organizations who want to take this equity journey and want to be perfect uh, about it, or they want to make sure uh, uh, they uh, are correct about it. And, and I'm, saying to individual leaders, I'm saying to organizations, push that out the window. There's no such thing as perfection as you think about this equity journey. It, it, it's sloppy, it's messy, it's all of those things. But I would also suggest that within that messiness, that sloppiness, that uh, uncomfortability is the real value that as leaders we can begin to come together and make some sense out of, and I think that's so important to to continue to emphasize that you know this isn't a perfect journey, and 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 part of that imperfect journey, of course, is that we give each other uh, some space, some 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 grace uh, as we carry down this pathway, because we're not going to say everything perfectly or correct quote unquote. Um, we're not always going to get it right. Sometimes our actions. Uh, are not going to align with what we truly intended for those actions to mean, and so it becomes awkward and becomes very uncomfortable and so uh, in this imperfect journey, we need to be able to give each other uh, some some grace as we falter because we all will falter on this journey. but to understand we're operating under the pretense and um, the condition that in order to advance this journey, we need to live in those Uh, uh, those times where it does become uncomfortable and make some sense out of that as we kind of build and learn and live together better. Uh, And that's that whole process and really the proposition in terms of this being an imperfect journey, that uh, no journey uh, is the same when you think about organizations or an individual experience, um, but that we understand that as we go into this, it's going to be tough. And I've seen a lot of organizations that have, stop the work because it does get tough, right? And I'm saying, no, 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 we can't do that. We have to lean into um, this imperfect journey with the understanding it's not always going to come out uh, where one might feel good about it, right? But we can come together, engage each other, um, uh, and have real conversation and think about strategies that we can employ so that we can we can learn a bit better, and much more about each other's experiences, and really uh, become very potent in terms of what we're trying to achieve. So mm-hmm. I hope that makes some sense in yeah. terms of that imperfect journey.
0: It does. Uh, yeah. Of course, f- for those who might be nervous about this or resistant to this, uh, one of the points that is sometimes raised is you know whatever happened to hiring the the best person to be your. Yeah your coordinator of such and such uh, yeah. versus making choices that might involve somebody who is not the most qualified or one has maybe even serious reservations about, but it serves this other purpose in terms of, uh, yeah. of, of EDI. I mean, what is your advice for somebody who kind of wrestles with that uncomfortable yeah. dilemma?
2: Yeah. I, I think there's a couple things to consider around that piece, Greg. I, I think first of all is the assumption, right? That, uh, historically, traditionally, particularly when I think about um, uh, persons of color who have not had opportunities to participate fully, for example, in an organization at the leadership level, um, to to not assume um, because historically they have not had those opportunities to participate that um, they are not qualified or that they are. Uh, incompetent or there's some skill shortage there, so I think we have to change our, our our lens around the understanding of folks who have not traditionally or historically shown up in these organizations. Um, I think the other piece as we think about uh, of this is that this is a win uh, win proposition for all right and I think sometimes folks will um, say to themselves well this this is a win lose someone's got to win, someone's got to lose, and I'm saying, no, we all can win as we think about having a much more diverse, uh, equitable, inclusive, uh, for example, talent pool in the organization that offers different perspectives, different lived experiences um, and the like. And so when we do things like hiring and recruiting um, um, for individuals that may be diverse, we shouldn't look for culture fit. We should look for culture add mm-hmm. uh, in terms of what are we missing as part of that, um, uh, that equation. And, and so that. That's how I would kind of respond to that is that it's okay to, to, to certainly feel a bit anxious and nervous about that because, again, that's all part of that journey. But let us make sure we prepare ourselves on an individual level to challenge our assumptions, to challenge our our shortcomings, our thinking about those who might be different as a way to um, engage those who might be different that might come into the organization. So I, I would just add that piece to that.
0: That reminds me of something that is, I saw someplace in the brochure for this conference, that it's important that nonprofits look at the matter of EDI as a resource, that when someone is brought into an organization who represents a positive step towards Equity or diversity or inclusion, inclusiveness—that that in and of itself is an asset, and Absolutely. and and that needs to be weighed in kind of the calculation in terms of who needs to be brought aboard. Uh, a final question for you, Dr. Howard. Uh, Deborah Karp mentioned that that this conference, in in many respects, is designed for nonprofits who are serving a diverse community, but who themselves. Might not be all that diverse. That is, the, the nonprofit themselves uh, might, might not be a very close reflection whatsoever of the community that they are seeking to serve. What kind of a problem do you think that is uh, when a nonprofit is itself lacking in, 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 the, in the area of, of, of EDI? In what way can that be a hindrance uh, to the work that they are? Probably in very good faith, uh, working hard to do.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. A great question. I think I think key critical to, to to all of that is to understand that as a lot of our nonprofit social service uh, organizations across this country are serving that BIPOC, that um, you know, Black Indigenous persons of color populations, that internally, uh, from an organizational perspective, there should be some representation. Uh, of that within the organization. So there should be a mirroring effect um, as part of that process. I I think, again, historically, traditionally, um, you know, uh, the equity lens uh, has not been adopted. And so we are encouraging organizations to adopt this equity lens as a way um, to be inclusive. I mean, as we talk about co-creating and serving uh, populations, predominantly those populations, which are persons of color populations in a much more Co created equitable way, we need to also have internally uh, individuals who kind of represent some of those populations, right? So that a lived experience can be lifted, voice can be lifted as part of the experience, a better connecting um, piece should be part of that process uh, as well. So, wh- what does that mean? It doesn't mean I'm asking folks or encouraging organizations to go and hire uh, a bunch of folks uh, of color. Uh, to become part of their organization, right? Because the organization itself needs to prepare um, uh, for those differences as they come into the organization, right? Uh, Our North Star is really baking equity into the culture of the organization. So it just becomes a natural way of how we roll, how we operate, how we connect with each other, how we connect with our colleagues within uh, the organization. And so if the culture of the org is not prepared for equity then you know, hiring um, a, a lot of persons of color just to be uh, in the organization where you may have diversity very strongly, but, you know, rarely do they stay around because, again, there's not support for those differences, then that can certainly mean disaster. So I think critical to all of this is just ensuring that organizations understand historically, um, uh, you know, we have not paid attention to some of this equity, and I would also say there's lots of organizations doing a lot of stuff around this uh, EDI because it's become so pronounced in our in our society, uh, really recently and really throughout the decades and centuries, if you think about it. But over the last 18 to 24 months, folks are really pushing DEI efforts through doing a whole bunch of stuff. I say you need to be intentional uh, and strategic as you think about how you get differences within the organization and how those differences. In the organization mirrors the communities that you you co-create with. My last piece, Greg, is this, is that I think we have to, uh, you know, here here we get sticky. I think we, I know we have to uh, address, acknowledge historically uh, trauma that has been done to people based upon their sexual orientation or the color of their skin or their gender. We've got to acknowledge that. There's real history there. Uh, As we start to dig into that, that has shown us for centuries of how systems and inequities have become uh, inequitable and, and, and not fair for everyone. We need to acknowledge that. But critical for organizational leaders to understand, though, is we all must be part of this journey, right? So when we talk about lived experiences, this can't just be about black folk, brown folk. This has to be about all of us as we take this journey together. And so we may all be at different spaces and places at this journey, and that's fine. But we need to all agree that this is a journey for all of us. Acknowledge what's happened historically, but let's move forward together in a way that allows us to give each other some grace and space to grow, to learn, um, and to take the mask off and be who we really are and show up as we really are uh, in those organizations. And so I think that is so uh, critical Uh, as we think about uh, uh, those differences, as we think about why we need to have in the organization um, um, faces and experiences that mirror um, the um, individuals that we serve in the various communities across this country.
0: Very well put. Dr. Andre Howard uh, with Social Current, who is going to be the uh, keynote speaker at the uh, Nonprofit Leadership Conference next Wednesday, speaking early in the day and then also Serving as uh, kind of a wrap up for the conference towards the end of the day, drawing all of the the threads together. Uh, Dr. Howard, it was great to uh, meet you today and to hear from you, and I appreciate you making time in your schedule uh, to join us on the morning show today. Thank you so much, and best wishes with all the good work that you are doing. Thank you
2: you so much, and see you next week.
0: All right, thank you again. You're listening to uh, the Thursday morning show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. Deborah Karp remains here in the studio, community and business and engagement director at the University of Wisconsin Parkside. Uh, Deborah Karp, what would you like to tell us in terms of some of the other presentations and offerings in uh, next week's conference?
1: Uh, Yeah, sure. We've got um, four breakout sessions after the keynote speech by Dr. Howard. Um, One is going to be about how organizations can effectively use data and not use it in a misleading way. Um, We also have a really, I think, um, a a, a newer kind of idea to think about is equity in, uh, fundraising and fund development, marketing. How do we uh, look at the way we're presenting our materials, mm. who we're reaching out to. I think um, the premise of it, and it's, this is being led by Len Iaquinta. From along WGTD. With, yes, from WGTD and Len um, is working with a woman from uh, Kansas City, Jocelyn Morning, and they've been presenting this uh, session at national conferences In any case, um, they're looking from, like, we have been a very donor-centric approach to fundraising. Mm. And how do you take it and create a more community-centric approach? And so that's, uh, I think, going to be a really exciting uh, session. We've also got uh, Sheila Mayhorn from the YWCA of Wisconsin. And she's going to be presenting a session on uh, strengthening capacity to diversify staff and leadership. And that's not just about hiring practices. That's also... How do you retain people? How do you create a culture of inclusivity? And then finally, um, we've got another breakout uh, by Marvin Bembry. Marvin is a uh, John Maxwell disciple, leadership expert, Um, And he is going to be uh, talking about inclusive leadership and how it leads to better program outcomes for diverse clients, which is Mm. really important in the nonprofit sector. I didn't mention that the data workshop is being led by um, Kevin Maher, who is with Building Our Future, a local nonprofit Mm. organization that is uh, part of a STRIVE initiative very dedicated to issues of equity and diversity in its Mm. mission. And then finally, Tamara Coleman from the uh, Shalom Center is going to be our uh, panel moderator. And we are bringing in four uh, different organizations who are at different stages of their EDI journey. The uh, United Way of Racine County, um, Alexa Haig, is going to be the um, panelist. She's the uh, CEO of that organization. They've been working a lot on their EDI journey for quite a while now. Um, Quentin Price from Milwaukee uh, Sports Organization Ahmad Kwai from the United Way uh, I'm sorry uh, uh, YMCA Mm -hmm. Racine Family YMCA is going to be there and then two people from um, First Stage in Milwaukee so we have Mm -hmm. different size organizations on that panel different levels of resources and they're all going to talk about where they are, what's working, what hasn't worked and what we're hoping is that the people in the audience at the conference are going to learn from Uh, the other people's experiences
0: right so that's the one I highlighted earlier called steps and missteps on the EDI journey and I'm so glad because I think it is a big mistake to, in a sense, sugarcoat this or, or shy away from some of the aspects of this that are very, very tricky. And in certain cases, even controversial. But yeah, I mean, meeting it head on, I think that is absolutely the, the, the right thing to do. You mentioned before we went on the air that uh, this conference is already looking to be very well attended and with quite a diverse group in terms of of all kinds of different organizations uh, uh, that, that are already represented. For those who are interested in being part of this, what do they need to do?
1: Well, you can register by going to UW Parkside's website. Um, And and actually, it's just uwp.edu forward slash NPLC, Nonprofit Leadership Conference. Actually, if you just go on the Parkside website and search Nonprofit Leadership Conference, you'll come right to the page, and there's a registration link there. Uh, Also, a phone number. Um, Yeah, that would be pretty easy. Uh, The conference registration is, I think it's still open online. We will take people walking in on the day of the conference as well. It starts, the registration starts at 730 on November 17th. The conference is in the Student Center at UW Parkside.
0: And is it only in person? I mean, if people. It is. Okay, so if people want to participate in this, you need to be there. I know that uh, it's made very clear on the website that very careful COVID protocols are in place. And so you're working really hard to keep everybody safe who's going to be participating. And we should mention that towards the end of the day is a networking reception in which people really get to uh, meet their counterparts at other. Uh, nonprofit organizations. So. Yeah,
1: that that networking is, uh, reception is sponsored by Leadership Kenosha and Leadership Racine, and we're hoping to introduce some of the current cohort of leadership program participants to some of the people in the nonprofit sector for potential matches as volunteers and board
0: members. Wonderful. Very, very good. Deborah Carp, it's always great to reconnect with you, and I'm uh, excited that we could talk about what sounds like a really beneficial and exciting conference again coming up next Wednesday, November 17th, 8 to 4, in the Student Center Ballroom at the University of Wisconsin-Parkside. Deborah Carp, thank you for being in our studios today and being part of this morning show today.
1: Thanks, Greg.